Good morning. You doing okay today? Beautiful day God has given us. Speaking of um, the graduation taking place, taking place this afternoon here for Bethesda Christian School, um, is Emmanuel Ingalu in the house? Where's Emmanuel? Emmanuel, come here. Is your wife with you? Is the baby with you? Oh yeah, bring, bring the whole tribe, that's great. Um, every year, the leadership of the school is making a decision about uh, who's going to be the commencement speaker. And we've had wonderful, wonderful guests. Last year, it was, um, um, <laughs> help me, Becky, last year, Janet Betzel. Yes, it was Janet Betzel. We've had so many other fine ones. Come on up here. So they were trying to figure out who they were going to ask. Oh, look at that handsome boy. How old is he? Hi. You want, how are you? Goodness, great. How old is he? Ten months. Ten months. So, Emmanuel Inglou is a graduate. What year did you graduate? 2007 from Bethesda Christian School. And you came here in what grade did you, did you, were you in when you started at Bethesda? freshman year. So you went through here, and then what happened to you? At, what I'm trying to tell you is he is the commencement speaker this afternoon at, Beth at, the, uh, at the graduation exercises. So tell us who you have you with you today. Wonderful. So what's the Lord been doing with you guys in, in this time since you've, since you've, you've gone out, gone, gotten your degree, and now you've finished seminary, and are you still in Colorado? Sure. Yeah. Are you serving in a church there at this time? Yes. Um, so I'm teaching at a high school uh, similar to Bethesda there in Colorado, and I'm, I'm part of the preaching team for the church that we have been attending for several years now, and uh, I'm currently applying for a PhD there uh, for in theology. So, yeah. That's terrific. Hallelujah. I know your mom and dad are so very proud of you and your brothers and sisters, and uh, I just want you to know we're proud of you. You're, you're, when we think of the, some of the superstars of Bethesda Christian School, your name is pretty much the first one that comes up. So uh, was it your senior year that, you, that, uh, that, you, that, that we run one state? Uh, just tell us how that happened. And you won state. Well, thank you for leading our, our team to state that year. So come on, let's say thank you to this fine couple. Thanks for being here today. We'll see you this afternoon. Uh, makes this pastor's heart proud to see that for sure. They leave here and go on, and God uses them in, in amazing ways. That's terrific. <laughs> well, I have a word to share with you this morning, and I, it's been burning in my heart for a while, and I've really asked the Lord to help me to communicate it effectively. I have some things that I, I, I want to say. I'm going to 
try to be succinct here and, and get to it. I just spent the last few minutes cutting about a third of my message out because I wanted to get to the heart of it uh, quickly and give it to you today. Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? Lord, I just ask that you will um, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I pray that today by the power and presence of the Spirit of God, you will open hearts, you will open the ears, open the eyes of our understanding. Let us be encouraged in you. Let us gain a glimpse of something maybe we've not seen before or be reminded of something that we've known for a while. So we thank you that, that uh, your word is life and truth. It's still a two-edged sword that pierces us. And so we need that today, and we need your presence. So we ask for that in Jesus' name. And the church said, I, uh, I, I love the English language. I wish I was better at it. Uh, but I, I have a great admiration and appreciation for um, good writing and people who use the language well. And the English language gives us the opportunity to take... Um, to take a word with its original uh, meaning, its original intent, and then apply that same word to a setting even other than its original meaning. And then when used in that new setting, you and I can still understand the word. Now, um, this will make sense in just a second. Um, Another way of putting it, I heard uh, sometime in the last week, it was on a podcast or um, something, uh, a, a great theologian talking about the Greek and the Hebrew language and the use of words and how important they are to understand and even when you're trying to understand the Greek when you're studying scripture. He said word, uh, a word is like a bundle of sticks that you pick up and in that bundle of sticks there's usually one that's larger, one larger stick than all the other than some little twigs around with it when you, when you pick it all up. That's what a word, particularly a word from the scripture is. Uh, that there is a primary foundational understanding and an easy, usually easier to reach and more accessible understanding of that word, but then there are sticks that are with it that also can uh, be a part of that word and its usage, and that's what we have here. If I use the compound word shipwreck this morning, you fully understand that I'm talking about an actual vessel that has been destroyed or ruined or sunk or run ashore. But if I use the word shipwrecked to describe a season in your life or the results of an incident in your life, who in the room knows what I'm talking about this morning? So I I don't have to explain it any further. You understand. It's one word that we use. It's the big, there's the big stick in the handful of sticks of what it is, but we've, we're picking up a twig from that uh, pile of sticks this morning when we're talking about being shipwrecked. You, in fact, there may be people who feel shipwrecked here today. You may feel destroyed and ruined or sunk or run ashore. But there's an overarching message I want you to hear today, and I want us all to be reminded that whether you feel shipwrecked today or whether you have felt that way in the past, or if you maybe need to take this message and tuck it away for a day in the future, graduates, I'm speaking to you, even when you feel that you are shipwrecked, the good news is that you are still under the sovereignty of God. Even when you're shipwrecked, when the feelings take you in a completely different direction, you are still under the sovereignty of God. That's what I want to unpack with you for a few minutes. It is not unusual, in fact, it's quite the norm for a believer in Christ to go from a season of blessing in your life right into a season of storms. Sometimes it almost feels like a whiplash 
when it happens. You're going along and everything's going great and God is blessing you and his favor is pouring out of you and wham, you go into a season of storms. In fact, I, I, I want to kind of tell you what we've noticed over the years that there's most often a sequence to how this works. And that is you're in a season of blessing, you're in a season of multiplication where everything is working out well and the wind of God, as Pastor Des, Des used to say to us, it's filling your sails and it's wonderful and you're gliding across the water and all of a sudden you hit a storm, you hit a time of trials, a time of testing, and what happens then? What happened to the wind filling our sails? Now you have to get the oars out and row for all your worth. Do I have a witness in the house today? But then here's the sequence. Season of blessing, God's favor, into a season of storms, and then it goes, the next step is this, that takes you into greater measures of the miraculous in God's purposes for you. Hmm, I don't know that you're awake. Have I put you to sleep already? Well, we see this sequence in all four of the Gospels, but we also see it in the book of Acts. In Acts, we see the church that is birthed. It's going through a season of multiplication, a season of blessing that takes place, and then there are seasons of storms. But here's what I want you to see clearly this morning. On the other side of the season of storms, there's always a deeper work and deeper purposes. When I was a kid in church, um, we used to have particular seasons in the church. There would be times of revival that were exciting and invigorating, but then we would have uh, sometimes teachers and speakers come in to talk about going spiritually deeper, going deeper in God, not being satisfied with what we are, but going deeper in the Lord. And that's exactly what happens after a season of blessing, usually then a season of storms, and then it takes you into a season of deeper work. How many want to go deeper in God this morning? You just don't want the process between here and there, right? Well, in the 30-year span of the book of Acts, the stories and the narratives that were given there are actually much closer probably to us, even than the narratives of the Gospels, making it possibly easier for us to relate. And so just like the people in the book of Acts, we know that God is immutable, meaning He does not change. God is immutable, immutable, though He can seem invisible to us at times. We know His promises, even though we don't have His physical presence. We believe in His deity, but there are delays in His answers. We know He is our Savior, but sometimes we find ourselves shipwrecked. We have His instructions, but sometimes we suffer injustices that are simply incomprehensible. And that's exactly where we find the Apostle Paul in Acts beginning chapters 26, 27, and 28. And we find that his circumstances, when we relate them, we pick up one of the other twigs of this word, we find that his circumstances are not all that much different than ours. In these chapters, Acts 26, 27, and 28, we see that Paul is shipwrecked under the sovereignty of God. He is still under, what does that mean? He is still under the royal authority of an almighty God. How many in the room are glad you're under the royal authority of an almighty God? If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'm glad we have screens, but I, I, I hope we still bring your Bible to church. I think it's a good thing to do. If you'll turn to Acts, beginning in chapter 26, uh, I'm not going to read the whole of the text at once, which I often do at the beginning of the message, but I'm going to work my way through it just a, a bit at a time. 
But as I, before I actually get to the reading of it, I, I, I want to ask you to look with me at the various contexts of Paul's circumstances of being shipwrecked. shipwrecked. Uh, there's some things that are particularly notable as I kind of give you a quick overview and I see six contexts of being shipwrecked that I bet you can identify. There is the context of injustice. And if you have a pencil and piece of paper, this would be a great day to take some notes on, on a few things. The, con- the context of injustice. I'm not putting that scripture up nor am I reading it, but I'm asking you to look later at Acts 26, verses 31 and 32. Let me kind of help you here. As we know, Paul was fully capable of creating quite a ruckus wherever he went as he was sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus, and people would get all stirred up with what he was saying, what he was sharing, and the accusations would start flying. Well, here in chapter 26 of Acts, we hear King Agrippa and Governor Festus saying, this man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. That's another story that I know you're aware aware of. He hasn't done anything to deserve the death or imprisonment that's being called for. And here we see the context of injustice, which is often the first trigger of a storm. I'm quite sure that you and I both have found ourselves in storms when the truth is we've really done nothing wrong. We can identify that the the cause of the storm was because of us. We were just going along our way, serving the Lord, honoring Him, wanting to be pleasing in His sight, and suddenly we find ourselves in a storm and facing being shipwrecked. And with that storm... And with comes nasty opposition and insane opposition, nasty conflict, and that's our next context. There's the context of then of opposition. And I'm going to reference Acts 27.4. Let me read it for you, or the first part of it. Acts 27.4, it says, Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. Is there anybody in the room who has faced a strong headwind? Raise your hand. Yeah. Church, here's the truth. When we stand for truth, when we stand for doing the right thing, and have you noticed it gets more and more difficult as the days come and go to stand for truth and, the right, and stand for the Word of God. When we stand for truth, when we stand for the sanctity of life, when we stand for the righteousness of God, when we stand for the defenseless, both inside and outside the womb, there will be fierce opposition. When you stand for the righteousness of God, you will encounter fierce opposition. But we must stand with love for truth in the mighty name of Jesus. Is there an amen to that this morning? Well, the third context of being shipwrecked I take from Acts 27 because I found that there was something called impatience that took place. Because Acts 27, 7 says, We had several days of slow sailing, and the wind was against us. Has anybody ever faced that? Several days of slow sailing. You know, you reach that point, and you go, okay, where are the oars? We've got to row faster. Nothing's happening fast enough. It's just going way too slow. The situation is not changing fast enough. The breakthrough that we sang about this morning, it's not 
coming fast enough. My healing in my body is not coming fast enough. Our ministry is not growing fast enough. The things I see out there that I feel God has for us, it's not taking place fast enough. The fulfillment of our promise is not fast enough. But let me just remind you, I'm preaching to Dan this morning. <laughs> let me just remind you that these seasons of it's not coming fast enough can become very dangerous spiritually. How many know God has his own clock? And God has his own calendar. And it doesn't always agree with mine. It can become very dangerous if we don't understand God has a will, a purpose, and a timing to that which he has destined and ordained for our lives. And that takes us to our next context. It's the context of danger. Acts 27, 9. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous. These seasons of storms in our life, listen to me, church, they can develop us, they can define us, we can discover our destiny, and we can deepen ourselves in his desires, but we have to be careful because they can always also diminish us because they can be dangerous and they are, 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 they are dangerous. Our deployment and development depends on our decisions during these times of storm. That was good, Dan, say that again. Our deployment and development depends on our decisions during these storms. You are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. You want that again? Thank you. I was going to do it again anyway. You are born looking like your parents. Oh, I wish I had a picture of my grandbaby here this morning. She looks just like her daddy, and he loves hearing that. You are born looking like your parents, but you die looking like your decisions. Am I telling you the truth? So there's the context of injustice, the context of opposition, the context of impatience, the context of danger. But when you are shipwrecked, there is also the context of frustration. Acts 27, verses 10 and 11 Paul says, men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than he did to Paul. So why is there frustration in a storm? Well, sometimes we are in a storm because people around us ignored our warning. Parents are in storms because their kids did not listen to the ways of the Lord. And a silence fell across the room. Paul found himself completely innocent in a storm because they actually ignored what he said. Bethesda, a nation can be in a storm because it ignores the voice of God. It ignores the message of God. A nation can be in a storm because it ignores the law of God. And that frustration can very easily then turn into our last context, uh, which is hopelessness. The context of shipwreck, injustice, opposition, impatience, danger. Get these scripture references that you're writing down. Frustration and hopelessness. Acts 27, 13 says, when a light wind, say light wind. 
began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever underestimated in your life what began as a light wind? A light wind of rebellion. A light wind of discontentment. A light wind of criticism. A light wind of murmuring. A light wind of a hidden sin in your life. Well, it began for them as a light wind. We just read it, and they were saying, we can handle it. We got this. We, got, we, we, we can handle this. This is no problem. It was a light wind, but the wind took control of them and it tossed them out to sea, whereupon they just gave up and drifted and hopelessness set in. So the question to all of us here this morning is, have you been allowing yourself to drift? To drift from God's principles in your life, to drift from his commands, from his love, from his purposes? Have you faced a storm that has shipwrecked you? What is it to be shipwrecked? It's that place in life where it's too much, too late, too far gone, too painful, too desperate, and, and, and you had to unload too much. Well, just in case anybody has faced it, you're facing it today, or if you're going to tuck this away for a day coming up soon, I want to share with you some principles from this passage, some keys and some revelations from the Word of God that I'm praying, and I've prayed all week, will strengthen you, root you, and give you that understanding that when you are shipwrecked, you are still under His sovereignty. And I've got five of them. I'm going to do them quickly. I pray you'll stay with me and listen carefully. I'm calling them anchors for your soul. Say that with me. The first one is this. Help me, Lord Jesus. The revelation is more important than the reason. Say it with me. Do we have Acts 27, verse 18 to put up? The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. He just couldn't help himself, could he? This was his I told you so moment. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. Here's the revelation. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Because last night... An angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Say that with me. The God. One more time with fire and gusto. The God. Last night an angel of the Lord 
to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said this, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand. For you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're lucky to be with me today. (laughs) So take courage. For I believe God. I believe he is who he said he was. Who he said he is. I believe he'll do what he said he would do. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Here's what Paul is saying. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, please, today. He says, I don't know all the reasons. I just have the revelation. And guess what? You can't go down because I'm on this ship. I'm under orders from God. God has a destiny and a plan for my life, and what God has said is what's going to happen. I am on my way to Rome. Church, the revelation of God is more important than the reason. The word of the Lord in your life. What the Spirit of God is saying, I'm at I met a fine young man that Pastor Will introduced to me this morning from here's new here from Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I heard his story through his uh, somewhat broken English and Will there to help me understand it all. And all it was was God has directed me here. God has done this. God has done that. And I said, thank God for people who are willing to listen to the Spirit of God giving them direction. You may not have all the reasons but you have the revelation of the Lord. Hearing the revelation from the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve was more important than the beatings that the ship was taking. That was more important. Hear me, hear me today. And isn't that so hard for us? You and I always want to know the reasons. I found myself in the midst of preparing this message facing something, and I wanted to know the why. I want the why. Am I the only one? I want to know why. I want to know why this. I want to know why that. I want to know why so long. I want, listen, dear one, I want you to remember today that when you feel you are shipwrecked, when you feel you have lost control of an area of your life, I want you to know that the God to whom you belong and to whom you serve has a plan for your life, and it's a great plan. He has you in the palm of his hand, and his hand is upon you. You are on your way to where he is calling you to be and what he is calling you to do. Come on, lift your hands and say, bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. And no matter what may it may look like today, no matter what your circumstance, no matter how you feel in your body today, no matter the pain that is there, no matter what the doctor has told you this week, it will be done unto you as he has promised. It is your revelation which erases all reasons. Stand upon the revelation of the Lord in your life. Stand upon that. 
And please, for the sake of your sanity and well-being, leave the reasons and the why questions to God. Did you hear that? When you're shipwrecked under his sovereignty, the revelation is more important than the reason. Number two, Malta prepares the miraculous. Acts 28, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. This is the man of God talking here. He's done nothing wrong. He's on his way to Rome. He's on his way to his destiny. What is he doing in Malta? That doesn't make sense. There's barbarians there. He's shipwrecked. This this was a man on a mission. Knew where he was going and what he was doing. And he ended up where there's barbarians and he's shipwrecked and his team barely escaped alive and they, they lose everything and it's cold and it's, it's, it's raining on them and everyone there's speaking an entirely different language. There's nothing comfortable about his situation. He doesn't understand anybody. They, they don't understand him. They cannot communicate to each other. And in those seasons of shipwreck, we often feel like nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. They, don't, they, don't, they just don't get me here. I moved to Fort Worth, and they're saying y'all and, and, and fixing to, and, and I don't understand that. I have to put barbecue sauce on everything. <laughs> Nobody gets me here, and I can't, I, I can't make myself understood to anyone. I'm suffering alone. It's, it's scary. It's threatening, and it's, it's so far from, I was headed this way and I'm ended up over here what on earth happened it's so far from where I thought I should be church have you ever found yourself in a place in your life you absolutely had not planned to be in you never thought you would be there how did my how did my family get here how did my marriage get here how did my how did my kids in in end up how did my ministry how did our church how, my career end up here in malta malta is the place you never expected to be malta is that place in our lives we never thought would last this long But I want you to hear the Spirit of God saying to you today, Malta is the place that prepares the miraculous in your life. And on this graduation weekend, and to you graduates today, I would say this. Malta is exactly the place that prepares you for ministry. Malta is exactly the place that prepares the miraculous in your life. In Malta, where everything seems dead, 
where everything is just not according to your plans. Malta is where you are required the letting go of your assumptions, your timetables, your plans, your capacities, all of your well-set ideas, all of your strategy, all of your knowledge, and you stand in a place of nakedness before God saying this, all I have is you, all I need is you, God, you are my all-sufficiency. That's what the Malta experience is like. The ship that has sunk will become your season of supernatural surprise in your life. I'm going to say that one again too. The ship that has sunk will become your season of supernatural surprise in your life. It will be that place where the worst valleys will become shouts of victory and worship before the Lord God that you serve. That's Malta. There's a place in California called Death Valley. There we go. It's the driest place in North America. It's the driest, most suffocating and lifeless desert in America. Nothing lives, nothing grows year after year. But do you know what happened in the winter of 2004? In Death Valley, they had record rains because of El Nino. Inches and inches of water came in just a few months. And for a while, for quite a while, nothing seemed to show. Nothing changed. But on Easter 2005, Resurrection Weekend, a phenomenon took place. The valley of death began to bloom. And miles and miles of flowers of every color showed up. I am talking by the Spirit of God today to someone. You think you're in Death Valley. You think... You're in Malta of misery. But I'm here to tell you today, let him feed you. Let him quench your thirst. Let him water your heart. And you may say, you know, Pastor Dan, that all sounds great. But look, nothing's changed. I'm going to walk out of this place today. I'm going to walk to my car in that parking lot. I'm going to get on Beach Street. I'm going to head to the freeway. It's going to look just like it did when I came here. Everything's going to be the same. I see nothing changing. To that, I would say, the water of the Spirit is watering your soul, whether you recognize it or not. And the miraculous is being prepared for you in Malta. Death Valley will find life again. And I declare this morning that your valley of death will blossom again under the authority and power of a sovereign, almighty God. Blessed be his name. The revelation is more important than the reason. Malta prepares the miraculous. The third anchor is this. I'm trying to hurry. Those of you nervous about getting out of here, I'm trying to get it done. But I want you to hear this. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Acts 28. Folks, I sense the Lord in this room.
not trying to be weird. I'm just telling you. Acts 28, verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying there on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake. I want you to say shook off. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. <clears throat> now, I, here's what you've got to keep in mind to put this in its perspective. Paul's in prison for the gospel. He's done nothing wrong. He's experienced completely false accusations. People got on Facebook and Instagram and were saying every nasty thing about him. He should have been free. <clears throat> He's in chains on a ship. You, you get in the picture? He warned them. What was going to happen? They don't listen. He is there, accused, condemned unjustly with chains at his feet. He's there because of the stubbornness and stupidity of those who would not listen to him but preferring to listen to fools who didn't know what they were talking about. He's a prisoner in Malta. This is not a good story. He's a prisoner in Malta. There's rain. There's cold. He's judged by pagans forgotten in the rain and the cold. And, 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 and in the midst of all of this, that's where he's at. That's his circumstances. How would you be in that circumstance? Here's what he's thinking based upon what we've just read. In all this, he's thinking, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue here. I, I, I think I'll help them with the fire. I'll help them build that fire. Have you ever been in a place where you're shipwrecked on Malta and all of the stuff around you, every place your eye can see looks bad. You can't find one good thing happening anywhere in your life. But yet at the same time you said, I am going to praise God anyway. I'm going to keep going anyway. I'm going to serve him anyway. I'm going to help with this fire. I'm going to continue bringing my part to the Bethesda fire. I'm going through so much, yes. But I'm going to come and offer the sacrifice of praise before God. I'm going to bring a piece of wood to the fire because surely the worst is behind me. I'm bringing a stick to the fire. I'm bringing a log to the fire. And in the midst of all that, with his good intentions and with his good thoughts, a viper, a snake comes out and attaches itself to his hand. Can you imagine? Are you kidding me? Seriously? It's not bad enough everywhere else. And now this, who's experienced uh, and now this moment in your life? It was already bad here, 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 here. And now this, and a snake comes. I just want to remind you, Bethesda, the heat always brings out the viper. Preach it, Dan. We're in the heat. We're shipwrecked. And for you, it may be the heat of temptation. It may be the heat of pressure. It may be the heat of being forsaken, rejected. It may be the heat of being unjustly accused, lied about. It may be the heat of being abandoned, the heat of being betrayed. For some of you this morning, it's the heat of sickness or it's the heat of losing 
Oh, beware of the viper that is trying to attach itself to your hand. It could be the viper of unbelief, the viper of secret thoughts of sin that you never dreamed you would have, the viper of doubting. The whole, the whole thing about Christianity, is there even a... It could be the viper of bitterness that you've not dealt with properly. It could be the viper of letting your hands go down. Remember, we're to be the people of the lifted hands. Maybe it's the viper of letting your hands go down. Have you ever allowed a viper to attach itself to your hand? Psalm 91 says this. You will trample over the lion and the viper you will keep under your feet. Without a doubt, vipers will come out of the heat. The heat always brings the vipers out. But what do you do when a viper attaches itself to your hand, no matter what's going on around you? There is only one thing to do. There is only one strategy. And Paul gives it to us plainly, and it's this. Shake it off! Shake it off! Shake it off! (laughs) Paul preached the most powerful sermon in the New Testament without saying a word. Shook that thing off into the fire. Church, we are living epistles. Shake it off. Shake it off. Probably nothing you can do about it anyway. Shake it off. Who do you think you can change? You can't. Shake it off. And lift your hands unto him. God has called us to be the people of the lifted hands. Oh, blessed be his name. The revelation is more important than the reason. Malta prepares the miraculous. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Number four, being approved of God counts more than the acclaim or the attacks of men. When you're going through the fire, do not put your eyes on what people are saying. Look what happens to Paul. It's almost comical in Acts 28, verse 4. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. He escaped the sea, but justice will not permit him to live. We read that. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. You got people in your life waiting for you to swell up and drop dead? I do. But when they had waited a long time, and saw that he wasn't harmed. They changed their minds. This is the funny part. And decided he was a god. Can I just say nothing has changed from the barbarians on that day to social media today in 2019. Whatever you're going through, don't pay attention to the acclaim and the applause of men. And don't pay attention to the attack of men. Did you hear that, Dan? Don't pay attention to the acclaim and the applause of men and don't pay attention to the attack of men. The only audience who deserves your attention when you are shipwrecked and stranded on the island of Malta and you're shaking off the viper, the only audience who deserves your attention is the sovereign almighty Lord. Bethesda, listen to this. Not everyone's acceptance is a blessing and not everyone's rejection is a curse. Not everyone's acceptance is a blessing. Oh, girl, you look cute in that outfit. 
and all the things they put after you posted your latest uh, profile pic. Not everyone's acceptance is a blessing, and guess what? Not everyone's rejection is a curse. He who is approved by God has nothing left to prove. Your maker is your mirror. I want you to be reminded this morning that whatever you go through as your heart stays toward him, let him put his approval upon you. Allow him to put his favor on you. Don't defend yourself. Don't fight, fight it. Don't argue back. Don't respond back. Just trust in him and let him put his hand of favor and blessing on you. And in his favor, it will throw down every wall, every enemy, every viper, and calm every storm because you are shipwrecked under the sovereignty of an almighty God. Revelation is more important than the reason. Malta prepares a miraculous. You must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Being approved of God counts more than the acclaim or the attacks of men. And the last one is this. The pain and pressures are preparing you for Publius. What's that? Who is that? Acts 28, verse 7. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. They were shipwrecked, church, but on the other side of shipwreck is the miraculous. As a result, verse 10, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip after the shipwreck was the miraculous. Remember, we don't ever choose to end up on Malta. Paul didn't choose that. But he did choose what he was going to do on Malta. He did choose what he was going to be on Malta. Am I going to be miserable and therewith make everybody else around me miserable? Or am I going to be fulfilling my mission in Malta? you got a choice. You're in, you may be stranded on Malta. You can, either, you can either be miserable or you can fulfill your mission. Malta is not the place to focus only on your pain and your issues, though every propensity is there to do that because you're miserable maybe in a way you've never been before. But Malta is not the place to focus only on your pain and your issues. Why am I not in Rome where I'm supposed to be? Why am I While you are in Malta, God wants to lead people your way that you'll minister to and bring his life to them in the name of Jesus. Your pain and your pressures are preparing you for Publius. What did Paul do? He went and laid his hands on this man who was sick with a fever and dysentery, and he healed him in the name of Jesus. In Malta, shipwrecked, in a mess, pain and discomfort all around him. And that's what he decided to do. And the very hand with the snake bite wound on it, still fresh, is the same hand who by the power of God was laid upon the sick man and brought healing to him in Jesus' name. The very same hand. And healing flowed through Paul to that man. While shipwrecked in Malta, no matter your shipwreck, you are under the sovereignty of God. Stand with me, church. It's noon, and I know my clock has run out here. And you're going to start leaving me here any second. Number one, the revelation of God's presence and power in your life is more important than the reason you, why you are where you are. God's revelation, his word to you. Number two, 
Malta prepares us for the miraculous, where the worst valleys will become shouts of victory and worship before our God. Number three, you must shake off the snake to experience the supernatural. Whatever viper is attacking you, shake it off. Number four, being approved of God counts more than the acclaim or the attacks of men. Number five, the pain and pressures are preparing you for Publius. Your hand bit by a snake? That same hand can bring the power of healing to someone in the name of Jesus. And the church said, okay, I'm going to dismiss here in about two minutes. How many shipwrecked people do I have in the house today? Raise your hand. Are there any in the balcony? Okay. How many have ever been shipwrecked? Raise your hand. How many are smart enough to know you're going to be shipwrecked someday soon? Lord, our lives are in your hands, but today we want to affirm again that even in the midst of plans not going the way we thought, everything going in a completely different direction, storms came we weren't planning on, things got triggered we didn't think would happen, we like ended up opposite place where we thought we were going. In the midst of all that, some of us are on Malta today wondering, what on earth am I doing here? How did I get here? I don't like this place. All of that, discomfort is all around. But we recognize today the authority of God Almighty. And we're going to rest in the fact that you've given us a word. You've given us revelation of what needs to happen. And if you've given us a word, we're going to Rome. We're going to go to Rome. If you've given us a word today that you have given us a distinctive, that will happen because what you have said will happen. Be it unto us as you have commanded. And so for all of us today who are facing being, feeling shipwrecked emotionally, physically, whatever it is, we lift ourselves before you and we humble ourselves under the hand of a mighty God. And we say to the God that we love, that whom we serve, the God to whom we belong, that we serve, we submit again to your lordship and to your leadership. Forgive us for the times when we step anywhere outside of that understanding. Forgive us for the times we want to take things in our own control in our own hands. We submit ourselves again to you and ask for your grace to cover us. And we do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. amen.